it's going to be a quick Wizards after dark tonight, I think. This was not the greatest game in human history, and uh, we're all on a little bit of a back-to-back. The Wizards lost tonight 101-92 to the Bulls at home. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. And tonight, from Capital One Arena, I'm with Chase Hughes from NBC Sports Washington. Thanks for having me on again, man. Uh, I wish we had a better game to discuss. This game was uh, uglier than a messy divorce, yeah. my, friend, my best friend would say. Yes, it was. Uh, so the Wizards were missing. Here's the thing. So I come away from this game thinking this is a bad loss, regardless of all the guys the Wizards were missing. They lost by nine to a team that was 9-26 coming into the game. They're at home. They had a day off. Like, you think this is a game the Wizards should win. And then you look through the roster. They're missing John Wall because of the heel stuff, and I promise we'll talk about that in a little bit. They're missing Marquise Morris because his neck his neck problem flared up again. Uh, they're obviously missing Otto Porter, who hasn't played since December 10th because of a right knee injury, and they're obviously missing Dwight Howard, who's been out for a while because of the back as well. Uh, of the five starters tonight, Ariza, Jeff Green, Thomas Bryant, Bradley Beal, Thomas Sadoransky, only Beal was a projected opening night starter. That was it. All those other guys either weren't on the team or were coming off the bench, or in like Thomas Bryant's case, we're not even projected to be a part of the rotation, and they're starters now. Uh, so that's the only chance. And you look through the roster, and you think, like, even knowing that, it was a bad loss. But then, then you start going through guy by guy, and it's like Ariza didn't shoot the ball well, and Jeff Green was a little bit worse, but still had seven rebounds and four assists and generally played okay defense and was, like, fine and just maybe missed a couple extra shots. And it's like, who really didn't – who played unacceptably poorly compared to how they normally play? Yeah, this game kind of took me back looking at the lineup of just randoms. At one point, I mean, I think it was Chasen Randall, Ron Baker, uh, Sam Decker, Jan Mahimi. You point out, like, who's going to generate the offense on the court? Yeah. It just kind of remind me, like, the Wizards, like, in their lean years. And they've had a lot of lean years uh, throughout this franchise franchise's history. No one pr- really played well. I mean, if you looked at the score, 101-92, you might think that there was, like, some good defense played, but I don't think there was even good defense played. Like, the Bulls just missed shots. I know they've been playing a little bit better lately uh, since uh, marketing came back, but it's hard to excuse this loss, even if you're missing four regulars against a team like this at home. And I know Scott Brooks said he liked the effort from his team, and I thought there there was some good effort on defense, but one play in particular really stood out to me, and that's when Larry Markkinen hit the deck and then got up and immediately got an offensive rebound, like out-hustled Jeff Green, Jeff Green to get the offensive rebound. So the, the Wizards had a chance to win this game, I think, even with the guys that they were missing. And uh, it was almost like which team um, was going to – no one, it seemed like, wanted to win this game. Someone had to win it, and that was the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, so that lineup that you talked about, the one that was Randall, Baker, Decker, Mahimi, and Trevor, four. I think Ariza Trevor was Ariza yeah. was the fifth. They ran a Mahimi-Ariza pick and roll. <laughs> it ended in a turnover. Yeah. Like, Trevor course, Ariza... what you expect? Trevor Ariza should not be the initiator of your... Like, that was, right. a, that was not a late shot clock pick and roll. That wasn't like they tried to do something and it didn't work. Ariza ended up with the ball with 11 seconds, and Mahimi was like, all right, I'll set a pick. That was like, we're starting our offense with Ariza running a pick and roll because they had no creators. That's the one thing that's always been missing from his game is ball handling. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they that's how they end the third quarter. And then right at the start of the fourth quarter, Ariza's out, and Sadoransky is in with those other four guys because, like, they need another creator. And Brooks said after the game, like, you're going to have some funky lineups. But, like, it really looks like for as long as Wall is out, he's got it the same way how, like, Beal tends to play with the bench unit 
when Wall is when Wall is in there. It looks like the two guys he's got to stack are Beal and Sadoransky because they, they need someone who can create offense. Absolutely, and nothing against Thomas Sadoransky. I think he's de- developed into a very good professional basketball player, but I think that kind of shows the dire straits that they're in where Sadoransky's one of the guys that they feel like they have to stagger just to have any semblance of offense. This is the third straight game they scored 95 or fewer points. It hasn't just been because John Wall's been out. I think they're missing a lot of space with Otto Porter not on the floor. And collectively, they're just kind of running out of offensive options. I think if Markeith Morris had played in this game, he probably would have gotten a lot of shots and would have been a huge focus of their offense. Maybe they would have staggered him. But that's the situation they were in tonight. Thomas Sadoransky was almost uh, you know, indispensable because they needed somebody to generate the offense. Chasen Randall, um, I like him as a player, but he's not really that guy at this point. Yeah, I haven't had an opportunity to check it yet because uh, we're recording this pretty quickly. We just got out of the locker rooms. But, uh, man, so Beal, Beal I thought was great tonight, especially in the second half. He was awesome. He had 15, whatever it was, in the third quarter. And the Bulls were playing very aggressive defense on him. And especially in the second half, he seemed to really figure out those traps and know when to pass, know when to attack. He splits and double teams a couple of times. I, he was good around the rim. He shot the ball well. He took the right shots. Like, I thought he was played hard. I thought he was really good tonight. When he was off, and we talked about this, like, when he was not on the floor, they just looked like they couldn't score. And something I need to check and see if my eyes are deceiving me or not is just, like, what, what was their offensive rating when Bradley Beal was not playing? Because I can't imagine it was all too great. Yeah, I thought this was a pretty impressive game from Bradley Beal uh, from an individual performance because he did not start out very good in terms of uh, his shots weren't falling. Um, I, you know, the Wizards started out, they shot horribly from three for the game, but he, I think, was like one for four or one for five or, one for five or something at halftime. He ended up shooting 13 of 27 and making four of his 10 threes and scoring 34 points. He... It was one of those games where it kind of reminds you that it's really, really tough to stop Bradley Beal. He's become one of those scorers where you can hold him in check for two, maybe even three quarters, but at some point he's going to figure it out. And that I think you hit the nail on the head. That's what he figured out. Um, Bradley Beal, I think it, you know someone made a good point in the postgame press conference with Scott Brooks and a question to him. Like Bradley Beal probably would have played – he played 38 minutes, but because it's a back-to-back, you probably would have pushed him over 40, wouldn't you, have, if, if they had the next date or two off? So I, I think that kind of made the difference in the game because he was by far their best player. And they have this game tomorrow against you know the Charlotte Hornets and Bradley Beal. In order for them to win, he has to play like a superstar. And they had to kind of hold him in check a little bit uh, tonight. You know, I made the point to you that they haven't won a game, and I think it's now 24 days in which John Wall or Bradley Beal didn't score 40 points uh, or more because Bradley Beal had that 40-point triple-double uh, against the Suns. And John Wall had his, uh, I think it was 41 points and 15 assists or something against the Lakers. So that's what it's required recently for this team to win, is one of their all-star players to have basically a career night. Yeah, that's crazy. That is unbelievable when you put it in perspective like that. And they've lost 9 out of 11 in that stretch. Those are their two wins. Those are the two wins. <laughs> Those are the two wins, man. They're they're 13 and 23. And I've said this on the podcast now. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. They are... At 13, 23 people are like, the East sucks. They can sneak in, and they can. They can sneak in. I still think they can. Yeah, Yeah, I think they can, too. I'm definitely not going to say they can't. They can. But if we're just talking mathematically, they're closer in the loss column to number 15 than they are to number 8 right now. Mm -hmm. Like, Cleveland has the worst record in the NBA. They're closer in the loss column to Cleveland than they are to Charlotte or Detroit or 
whoever has the eighth seed on this given night because it seems to rotate every single night. Like they are closer to there. So it's getting your perspective. The, it's getting to the point uh, in that regard where you know I'm I'm kind of a firm believer in don't blow it up. I don't I don't I think it's like kind of a cop out to be like oh we'll just tear the team down and be awful for five years and try to start all over again. Like if I were them, I would absolutely make a major trade. But I don't think I would just trade everyone. You know John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, and everyone. But you're kind of getting to the point where you're looking at that draft class and being like man you know. Could this be the year where maybe it would be smart to take one step back so you can take two steps forward? Because you've kind of seen the ceiling of this team, and I think we're getting we're near the halfway point where it's it's be kind of coming into focus. Would you do you want to sneak in as a, a low seed in the playoffs like they did last year, and you know be overmatched by a Toronto or a Philly or one of these teams or you know, Milwaukee? Or do you, when do you like someone made a joke before the game is like when are you going to start you know shifting your focus to mock drafts? I, I think we're like close to that point. Yeah. Well, the, a good example, a good recent example of the concept you're talking about right now is Memphis. Just last year, Memphis competed for a playoff spot every year. Went to the conference finals 2013. Was good with Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol every year as long as those guys were healthy. And that last year, they have some injuries. Uh, Conley gets hurt. Gasol goes through a really frustrated season, doesn't play as well, probably in part because he's he was clearly frustrated. Tony Allen finally had a drop-off. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, that team goes through a terrible year, wins 21 games, gets the fourth pick in the, pick in the draft, and now, like, they've fallen off this year, but they're competing for a playoff spot. They got Jaron Jackson out of it, who's mm-hmm. going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. He's so good. Oh, he's he's so, so good. He's amazing. And they can move forward now with, like, Jaron Jackson is a really, 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 really good young player. Like, he is totally going to be good. He's been awesome for them as a rookie already in what has been a very good rookie class. And maybe that's the thing the Wizards would want to do. But here's the problem. Every single day, and I think this is a good transition to John Wall, every single day that Ariza trade, with, or I shouldn't say every day, but with every loss that Ariza trade is looking a little bit worse. Because that was a trade that was explicitly made for this year. You traded two guys who weren't going to be on the books for next year anyway. And you brought back a guy who was only going to help you, at least on this contract, for this season. And a 33-year-old at that. And you got no picks back when you obviously could have gotten picks back because you originally traded the exact same package for Ariza and picks. And every day. And you made that trade when you knew John Wall had... Bonespur problems because they had already they had already surfaced and and you knew you had to have some sense of the severity of Otto Porter's injury which mm-hmm. now has become way more severe than they initially led us on to believe yes so you make you make that trade with all of this knowledge already as an obvious play for twenty what year is it eighteen nineteen yes and it's that almost is twenty nineteen so. almost twenty nineteen <laughs> there's no other way for you to spin that it was for this year. Period. And it was obviously for this year. And the fact that they make that trade for this year and then immediately drop off to where this year might not even matter anymore, that that makes that look worse than it already did. And I think there were a lot of people who already didn't like that trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily from a return perspective, but just from a context one. And it's making the context look even worse. Uh, Meanwhile, the Suns have kind of taken off a little bit. Kelly Oubre's fit in really well initially. I don't think that's going to be like the turning point that makes them like a playoff team in the Western Conference. But clearly, the the two teams in that deal are on different trajectories. 
And you're right. More and more as we get more removed from it, you wonder, like, why – if you're going to trade Kelly Oubre and, to a certain extent, Austin Rivers, why don't you do it for a future asset right, rather than someone who can maybe help you in the short term? Clearly not enough. Yeah, I mean, look, if you don't make the playoffs, then – I mean, r- regardless, because that's, that's a hindsight thing. So let me rephrase. Um, there is an argument to be made that killing, trading Kelly Oubre for a protected second-round pick – is better value than Trevor Ariza, even though a protected second-round pick is almost definitely never going to get you a player as good as Trevor Ariza. If this is a lost season, what does Trevor Ariza matter? I mean, that's, at least from an encore perspective, if this is a lost season, what does Trevor Ariza's presence matter? And regardless of how good or bad Trevor Ariza is for the rest of the year, if they don't make the playoffs, if he doesn't help them get there, then, and that's a results-based thing, but this is a result, results-based trade. There's no process to this. It's either Trevor Ariza helps you or he doesn't. You got him for half a season, and that's it. And so if you get Ubre for a second-round pick, which they showed in the initial trade, they could get back a second-round pick in that. It's like, okay, there's some sort of future value in that. There's some sort of future help. Maybe you hit on that guy. Look, Thomas Bryant, they picked up the waiver wire. He's good. He was a second-round pick. Like, second-round picks can become... NBA players. They, mm-hmm. they Thomas usually don't. Yeah, they usually don't, but they can. Um, especially guys named Thomas, apparently. Yes, <laughs> but, that's true. But when you make that trade and you trade for this season, now all of a sudden it looks like this season's falling off a cliff for injuries that had already occurred by the time the trade comes. That just it, it's that's unfortunate for the organization for sure. I want to talk about Wall from a long term perspective. So Wall missed the game tonight because of bone spurs um, in his left heel, which he had already missed one game earlier. Yeah, for this apparently year. this is only the second game that he missed specifically because of the, the bone spurs in his heel. Yes. The other two were because he was sick, which he was sick and then he got healthy and then he got sick again all within one month, which I don't know. That's never happened to me where <laughs> like I got like, like my immune system kicked in. I got over a cold and then I got another sickness, whatever it was. Maybe it was completely unrelated, but I don't know. Yeah, the Wizards said this morning at shoot-around that John Wall missed shoot-around just for rest. And they said that he was going to play tonight. And then we got here and John Wall turned out was not playing. And Scott Brooks said that he knew before shoot-around that John Wall had the bones <laughs> Brooks had no idea why you asked that question, but there were a few of us who did, and we were like, oh, okay. He's not on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Brooks is not on Twitter. Uh, Although he's talking about burner accounts recently. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's going to uh, find the burner account. <laughs> They found James Comey's burner account. I think we can find <laughs> Scott Brooks's burner account. So, no actual timetable yet on John Wall, but he's seeing a specialist tomorrow. We're recording this on Friday night, so on Saturday he's seeing a specialist. Whenever you bring a specialist into the equation, I don't take it that means he's playing tomorrow night. And right. I don't take it that means that he's, he's playing on, on Wednesday, and I don't take it that means he's playing in... In the very near future. Usually when you have to bring in the specialist, it doesn't mean, all right, he's going to be back in three days. Right. So if they have to play with There are ball. rare occasions where uh, an opinion is confirmed by a second opinion. It's like, okay, yeah, I see the same stuff. Sit him out a week and he'll be fine. But usually in my experience, and it sounds like it's the same in your experience, specialist means probably some sort of procedure is going to be recommended. That would be my guess. So if they have to play without John Wall even if they have to play without John Wall, just for Saturday night, which is the second half of a, of a back-to-back when they're already reeling in terms of just the number of guys who are out when they had a bunch of guys play a good amount of minutes tonight. Except for Troy Brown. 
Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about Troy Brown. <laughs> Troy Brown did not get into the game tonight. I know. And Scott Brooks, before the game, unprompted, mentioned Troy Brown. Like, yeah, he'll probably get some minutes. And then he didn't get minutes. Like, I don't know. It's, it's bizarre. But, yeah, going back to John Wall. Yeah, John Wall. What is this roster to do? Like, we talked about the lack of creators. And it'll look better when Marquise Morris is back. It doesn't sound like that. I think even him, just one guy would help a lot. Because you're at this point where I think Marquise Morris would make a major difference. Yeah, with the bench unit? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Well, I think he'd probably... Would he start? No, I mean, you'd probably still go with Ariza and Green and have... Yeah, because... Yeah. That's what he was doing before. Right. So... I mean, from what I've seen covering the Wizards these past three years, especially last year, once Wall went down, you saw the team... uh, kind of rally or rally from that. And I think we've seen that the Wizards are better without John Wall than they are with a ineffective or hobbled John Wall. And I think this season, I don't know if injuries are completely to blame for some of his struggles. Obviously, there's been some effort concerns with some of the videos we've seen surface on social media. It's, it's out there. Everyone sees it. But with Thomas Sadoransky as the starter, I think they, have, they might have a better chance in the short term than John Wall dealing with the multiple of things that he's dealing with right now. So I think, they'd, I think they'd have a chance, as long as Markeith also comes back and Otto isn't gone for a while. Because keep in mind, um, December 10th, you said, was the last time Otto played. Right. I think that was uh, right after the losing started. And the game before, uh, if it was December 10th, that was against the Pacers when he only played seven minutes. Uh-huh. That kind of counted. The losing had started. But since, what are they like? They've lost seven of nine without Otto Porter. I mean, the wheels have fallen off. I, I, as much as Otto Porter gets criticized by fans and media for his contract and for sometimes scoring five points a game, he does a lot of things that help them win, and they've been lost without him. I mean, I think we have to admit it. You know leads the Wizards in net rating? Uh, <laughs> not Troy Brown. This, this, they were not including This has evolved over the course of the season. Uh, Jeff Green was the guy for a while. It's not Jeff Green anymore. Not Jeff Green. Uh, is it Otto? It's Otto. Yeah. I mean, he's generally... It always ends up being The Otto. analytics love Otto. They love him. So it's usually him. Um, I mean, I, I think he does a lot of things to help others that go unnoticed. Yeah, I think just the threat of him shooting threes is a big deal because he's a top five in terms of percentage three-point shooter in the NBA, and it creates space for others. And, um, you know, Jeff Green isn't that isn't as good of a three-point shooter. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky isn't. Uh, Sam Decker... Uh, hasn't proven to be in his career. So uh, defenses can play the Wizards a little bit differently when they have these guys out there than they do when Otto Porter's on the floor. Yeah. I mean, without without Wall, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Because even when Porter's back, and there's no question, that'll help. And Brooks says he's closer, which is encouraging because he went through, it sounds like, a pretty intense workout yesterday. Was supposed to go through another one, I guess, tonight pregame. And uh, that's encouraging because as of a few days ago, he hadn't gone through anything. So mm-hmm. that's absolutely a bump up from what he was doing before. But even with quarterback, it, he's he's not going to provide more creation for you. And that's really what their problem is right now. Just like they have a lot of guys who are just like stand there dudes. Like Otto is a screener and a stand there dude. Mm-hmm. Like Ariza. He, can, he can't create off the dribble. Right. But he is a good passer. Um, he's, he's a good passer with one of their best rebounders. Uh, he's obviously their most accurate shooter. Right. So I think there's there's a lot of things that he he does that can help the offense. Um, but you're right. I mean, him coming back is not all of a sudden going to make other guys that much better because he's not going to create. There's not going to be a lot of offense run through him. Um, but certainly he would help. 
Yeah, oh, there's no question that he'll help. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen when they take the floor tomorrow and and see how they are because, man, if I'm Bradley Beal, I'm exhausted. Like, I, I know he didn't play. He's played more minutes than he did tonight. He played, what, 38 tonight? 38? 38. But he's got to do everything. But he did everything. Yeah. Tonight. I mean, it's insane the amount of energy he has to expend right now uh, just to give this team a chance to win, not just to win. I mean, it, what he did against the Suns was, uh, I mean, one of the most amazing, like, physical performances I've seen in a long time. It took – it was two overtimes, right? Or was it three? Three. Three overtimes. Yeah, and he played, like, 54 minutes and uh, played unbelievable defense on Devin Booker, uh, was the focus of the offense. Like, they're asking him to do as much as you can ask an NBA player to do right now. It's It's – it's LeBron-like, I'll say that. Yeah, they're, and it's it's only going to get worse if John doesn't play. I mean, tonight was a lot to ask a player to do. And he played really well. He played really well, uh, but it's it's got to be exhausting. It's got to be really exhausting. And, you know, a big development for him is, I think, with the way that Chicago defended him, they pressured him hard with the ball. And he only had three turnovers. Mm-hmm. And I think Bradley Beal, two years ago, would have had more than three turnovers in that game. Maybe he'd still finish with 30, but he would have had more than three turnovers in that game. He wouldn't have protected the ball as well as he did. He wouldn't have made his quick decisions. He wouldn't have made his quick reads. Uh, so I think that's kind of a, a number on, on his improvement as a ball handler and creator and passer over the last few years. No question. And uh, it wasn't easy. I mean, he had to get creative. There were some... There was one play that stands out, I think it was in the second quarter, where he scored, but he had to get past, like, three guys on his way to the rim. Because, I mean, they were overloading on him, and uh, they, they just teams aren't going to have to respect the outside shooting of some of his teammates. I, I remember you remarked that that was a terrible shot, that Thomas Bryant took a shot from, like, 17 feet. Guys are probably just going to be left open because teams, they know that Bradley Beal is the only one who can really hurt them on a given night. I mean, if I look at this roster, no one's... No one uh, – Jeff Green can get hot. But, like, Thomas Sadoransky can't really, like, get hot and pop off for, like, 20, 25 points and completely change the game. It's Beal or, or nothing, essentially, right now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, Ariza can, can maybe hit five threes. Like, yeah. he got hot in the third quarter in Detroit or something. Yeah. And you can have that. But you need someone to get him the ball Yeah. in order to do that. Right. Like, he's not getting hot totally on his own. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's totally true. Beal is your hot hand guy on this team. There's just not another one. When Wall is out, when Keith is out, it's it's tough. I mean, they, they really, the, the cards, what's this, the cards were stacked against them? Is that yes. the expression? Yeah, cards were stacked against them tonight. And like Even against the Chicago Bulls team. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. It's like this terrible loss. But they're different than their, they're better than their record would suggest, I think, because Markin and missed. Basically all the all yeah. the, haven't they won like four of six now or something like that? Yeah, man, they were so sloppy tonight though. Yeah, they were sloppy. The Wizards were sloppy. Like neither team was shooting the ball well. It was just like an ugly, especially the first half. Oh yeah, it was just such an ugly game on the whole. But like, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like you want to say it's a bad loss at home to the ten and twenty six Bulls or whatever they are. But like. Who played that badly compared to what they should? By the like, way, I, I mentioned this in my uh, post-game story. So the Wizards scored only 40 points in the second half of their Pistons loss on Wednesday, and they had 42 in the first half of this game. That means over a four-quarter stretch, they scored 82 points. 
in this day and age when teams score like 110 plus on the regular, like they average 112 points a game, that's insane. 82 points and a full game's worth of basketball. Yeah, that's good not to end it on. Uh, Chase, tell my uh, listeners where they can find all your stuff. NBCSportsWashington.com and uh, on Twitter at ChaseUseNBCS. Great. Throw Chase a follow. Sign on and uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. As I always say, as I always beg, give us five (laughs) stars, leave a review, all that stuff. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow night after the Charlotte game. We'll see if I have a guest or if I just solo it or something. But I'll, uh, either way, I'll talk to you guys later.